Welcome to Think and Reimagined, produced by Live Abundantly. Live Abundantly is committed to justice, equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion for the creation of a global society which respects the rights and well-being of all citizens. We invite you to visit our website livesabundantly.com to support our initiatives for women, youth and children. Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset for For a a better better global society. Hello, everyone. This is the Thinking Reimagined podcast. My name is Nifemi Okuntoye. I'm so excited about this episode as we reveal the winners of the scholarship prize on our Women Changemaker series. We aren't just talking about equity and equality. We're taking practical steps, I believe, to achieve them. So we'll be joined by um, some of the finalists, the four uh, six future ladies surveyors that were shortlisted. I believe four of them will be winning a hundred thousand naira scholarship prize each, and that's our way to advance the cause of women in male-dominated fields and industries. This is done in honor of the very first and only female surveyor general in Nigeria, Mrs. Olayinka Omolabake Adesoya, and we want to really thank the Adikoya family for sponsoring this initiative. A big thank you to the Allied Empowerment uh, Parties and Live Abundantly for also making this happen. So it's a mixed feeling. While we are talking about empowering young women in the area of education, we are also facing the challenge of insecurity, bedeviling schools across the country. And I'm talking about the incessant abductions and kidnappings. We're going to begin the first half of this podcast in commemoration of seven years after the Chibok abduction. And um, perhaps I should just um, briefly give you a background to the story. Um, It's seven years after over 200 girls were kidnapped in Chibok. And it's um, a very sad development given the fact that this happened way back in 2014. Uh, Many are of the opinion that perhaps it was an opportunity for the Nigerian government to quickly nip this in the bud. On the night of 14 to 15 April 2014, mostly Christian female students aged between 16 to 18 were kidnapped by the group we now know as Boko Haram. Uh, That happened at the government's girls' secondary school in a town called Chibok in Borneo State, Northern Nigeria. Before that rate, the school had been closed for some four weeks due to deteriorating security conditions. But the girls we're talking about now were in attendance to take final exams in physics. 57 of these girls escaped immediately following the incident. The jumped trucks on which they were being transported. Others uh, were rescued by the Nigerian Armed Forces on different occasions. Uh, but um, hopes have been raised that um, these 219 girls uh, will all be released. However, some girls we believe are dead. And as we speak right now, over 100 of them remain missing seven years after. Uh, I'm beginning with Ms. Chotimino and Dr. Ama for the first half of this conversation. It is a terrible story we have to tell every single day, especially when you 
Remember how shocked the world was by this act. It led to a launch of a social media campaign where we saw millions of people around the globe, including high-profile political figures and celebrities, calling for the rescue of the girls. Dr. Amma, how come the huge support we had seven years ago did not translate into real action? And by that, I'm talking about the rescue of all the girls. It is indeed very sad to continue to speak about the Chibok girls. And since then, another thousand plus children who have been adopted um, in Nigeria and still remain um, missing or have not been returned to their families. Uh, I have come to realize that the political wills and the commentary, the campaign, to release the girls is one thing but if you do not address the issue at hand which is the insecurity the insurgents and those who are against the educating of girls then it will persist um, I am of the opinion that not enough was done to support um, these actions in terms of making sure all of the girls were released and it continues to be an issue I mean you've all heard the reports that people are still being paid after they've adopted the children and it's become almost like a business but we cannot allow education of our girls to be a business or our children to be honest because now it's affecting both gender male and female so more needs to be done in terms of security and right now what about 600 schools are closed in the northeast northwest these are children who are losing the right to be educated and it becomes imperative for us to find other means of educating our children, particularly the girl child who is um, most affected by these kinds of um, incidences. Indeed, Dr. Amma, bearing in mind that this is happening in a country that has perhaps the highest number of out-of-school children. Ms. Chotimidu, um, the abduction of school children, including boys and girls, have now become some sort of a recurring decimal in this part of the world. After Chibok, we had Dabchi abduction, quite a number of them. Recently, there's the Jangebe abduction in Zamfara. There's been, uh, there have been several cases in Kaduna, in Zamfara and other places including secondary and tertiary uh, schools. What would you say um, this means for the girl-child education in Nigeria? So, um, in terms of the underlying causes, as Dr. Amma has mentioned, um, it's there are many underlying factors. The first and foremost being the, the level of religious intolerance in the country. Um, there seems to be a need for um, the Boko Haram especially to prove themselves in this way and it's also as Dr. Amma said as well a money spinning um, adventure as far as I'm concerned because the more we give the kidnappers money the more this is going to pro proliferate um, so it's a combination of the religious intolerance together with you know the fact that they are making money from this there's also the fact that policies have not been put into place um, to educate the students the teachers especially those in the ministries 
the security infrastructure is very, very infrastructure is very weak. And I think that was the main reason why, for example, in Chibok in 2014, the girls had gone there for a physics examination, even though the school was uh, more or less closed and um, they were abducted obviously to prove a point again that girls should not be educated as time has gone on we found that boys also in kankara and so on have been kidnapped the policies are not in place the system is porous um, that there's a lot that needs to be done but the most important work is ongoing which is advocacy enlightening people letting people know this is happening you'd be surprised that all over the world people just know about the chibok abductions they don't know about the other ones uh, whether it's malari dapchi um, jangebe and so on they don't they're not it's it's not being publicized enough and so more more and more people need to you know actually get on board and let people know that this is happening Let's um, look at the current situation in Nigeria when it comes to insecurity. Uh, the challenge of kidnapping and abduction is not only limited northern Nigeria, it is spreading across the board. And it also has a huge potential of affecting um, the, the um, very the landmark um, benefits that we have made in the West in the area of education. Some would say we saw this coming. And perhaps if we had reacted well in 2014, we won't be where we are right now. Dr. Ama, irrespective of the, all of the advocacies, um, advocacies that are happening, if we don't get the issue of security right, we, we may not be able to, you know, get our girls educated and we may not be able to advance the concept of equity and equality. What would you say government is doing wrong? And beyond government, there are also other stakeholders like religious organizations, um, like uh, um, parents, stakeholders like non-governmental organizations. What would you say we have done wrong in the past decade that now needs to be fixed? No, Nifemi, I've always felt that it's not that we don't have policies in place and it's not that we don't know the right thing to do to protect protect our children and to protect ourselves is that we don't give it a priority. When you do not place emphasis on education and recognize that education leads to further development, then you do not put the resources in place to ensure that the safety of children when they go to school is a priority. Um, you know, there was an initiative that was started in 2014 when the Chibok um, situation rose and um, it was being funded by the UK government, Nigeria, the UN and all of that. And about, um, I want to say, 30 million pounds was established as the sum that will reinforce security in the schools and they will have pilot schools. Uh, unfortunately, that did not even carry on for more than a year or two. And there is nowhere for you to even see that the schools were restructured, that the fences were in place, that security was there for the students. There just does not seem to be enough priority placed on security and education or matters that affect women and girls. You know, when you look at the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, Nigeria is a signatory and says that it's going to adopt it. But how much emphasis is being placed on that? When you don't have benchmarks, when you don't have accountability, 
then it, things fall, you know, in, in, they just fall through the gaps and things go awry. So there is not enough that's being done and more needs to be done. And it starts with parents, it starts with communities, it goes on to the government. We cannot assume that the government is going to um, become the purveyor of the best things for the community. We hope it can, but that's not the reality in Nigeria. So businesses need to come together, communities need to come together parents need to make it a priority and they need to start demanding that education and security is a priority. Otherwise, we're going to lose an entire generation of children who are not educated and who will not be able to compete on a global sphere. Ms. Shotimino, Boko Haram comes from the Hausa word Boko. Uh, Boko means animist, um, Western or otherwise non-Islamic education. And the Arabic word haram uh, figuratively means sin. So it's more or less saying Western education is forbidden. Now, I know we have looked at Boko Haram from, you know, their military might and their capacity to take over security infrastructure, especially in the north. They had their way into um, the north central some years ago. They've also had intelligence of their plants in the west. But have we really thought about them from the point of view of um, ideology? And this is an ideology that seemed to spread beyond religion. In the North, for instance, there is little value for the girl child. Um, you can have as many children as you want because there are original, there's originally no plan to have them educated. Some would even say it is... Um, the strategy of the elite in the north to keep majority of the people ignorant and uneducated that way they can get as many votes as possible and continually be you know in charge of country is there a sense to which this war must be won um, from the stable of ideology an ideology um, that has been sold to the north and I believe many other parts of the country that education, Western education is not needed. Um, thank you, Nifemi. I You're actually asking the wrong person because I have uh, very strong views about um, education, the education of girls, um, education policy making. But if we're going to go, uh, you know, and I'll try and answer some of the points. You made quite a few points there. Um, I think there's clearly a, a clear, there's a clear sign that what's going on is uh, not just limited to the North, but um, it's not just limited to religion, it's, it bro it's broader than that. I think if um, the, the situation of the kidnapping was going on in the South, let's say in Lagos or in, you know, Ibadan or somewhere, um, I think people would take it a lot more seriously in Nigeria. Um, I think it's seen as that the government is not taking it as seriously because it seems to be the more needy that are being kidnapped, which isn't true. Um, these are girl, the girls in Chibok were studying, you know, they were going in for their physics exam. So they must have been, you know, um, able to afford that in the first place to actually go to school. As we know, government schools aren't totally free as they're supposed to be. Um, I, I think the solution cannot um, be found with even the Nigerian government. I think the solution has to be found in an amalgamation of um, groups that come in to find a way forward. I think community groups, as Dr. Amma said, community leaders, IGOs, NGOs, they, 
need to come together and put together some form of a reparations for the Boko Haram um, members. Not reparations in paying them back, but listening, dialogue, explaining. Um, if that is possible, you know, there needs to be dialogue going on. There needs to be education, not just of the, the policymakers and those involved, of everybody. Everybody needs to realize how serious the situation is. Um, when the Chipot Girl situation happened, Amnesty International took it upon themselves to enlighten those in the UK and all over the world about what's going on. Um, so much, so for, I mean, we know that we want to be nationalistic and try to help ourselves, but this cannot be done with just our own help. Uh, we need a lot of help. We need the help of NGOs, IGOs, and, and more. Indeed, Mr. Tibedo, um, the idea of what strategy to employ in tackling these is a subject of debate in Nigeria, uh, particularly when you talk about the issue of dialogue. There's a program of government now that um, aims at reintegrating repentant Boko Haram Islamists into the society. So they get them, they, 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 you know, rehabilitate them, they, you know, just empower them and put them back into the society. There's also the issue of dialogue and negotiating with um, with militants or terrorists or um, what do they call them now, bandits in northern Nigeria. There are some who would say that is merely encouraging terror, merely encouraging violence because you're not going to negotiate with a you know thief or a robber or someone who has swindled someone, for instance. All you need to get government's attention in this country is commit crime and commit a huge one for that matter. Take take the uh, uh, abduct school children and you you are probably going to get um, government attention and get paid for what you have done and if you now come back with all the arms and ammunition they're also going to give you a seat at the table how relevant is this strategy of negotiating and dialogue with uh, militants and extremists how relevant how strategic would you say it is in this age and time I, I personally think it's um, very difficult to talk to people who are um, whose ideologies are far removed from reality. That's the way I'd put it. It's very difficult to get through to them. It's like talking to a fun, any type of fundamentalist. It's very difficult to get through to them. As I said, I wonder who's training and trying to rehabilitate uh, the so-called bandits. As you know, if a child has learned something from birth and, the, and, and is now in his um, adulthood, it's very hard. To remove that you know there's a classic case of people coming to uh, you know nigerians visiting abroad and the first thing they ask for is where can we find a nigerian restaurant you know that's because they're so used to it that, that they want the same thing they're not used to you know thinking differently that maybe you know greek food is good or maybe pizza is even nice so it's it's a very very difficult task to um try to reconfigure the way they think um, but I think it's not impossible. I think it's definitely possible. And it needs to start from the, from the root. It needs to start from the younger ones, actually, rather than the older ones. As we know, uh, there's a lot of politics involved in everything that's happening. We saw videos, um, viral videos a few weeks ago, where uh, in the north, we were told that they were handed these AK-47s and weaponry, weapons um, by the government themselves. So what we are trying to tackle is way beyond, <laughs> way beyond uh, our imagination, just to, to say that uh, at least, yes. 
let's wrap this up now dr ama what is the way forward i understand the need for policies to change uh, the need for political will the fact that government has to do more and every other stakeholder has to wake up but let's talk about the girl child who is currently in uh, that that situation uh, take take the north for instance most schools are closed um, some schools are heavily guarded the implication on the mindset of the of the average student oh, what needs to be done differently now when it comes to um, the unique way of having the girl child education i mean educated in such um, circumstance and situation that we've found ourselves it's not that we don't have policies in place it's the implementation of the policies that really hinders change in nigeria uh, we, we, this is a culture that's very good about coming up with policies and laws and adopting them and putting them on the books and yet nothing changes. So I go back to what Ms. Jotomino says, it starts with the children. We need to change the mindset. We need to educate our children to understand that they have rights to be educated. They have rights to exist. They have rights to security to make those demands is absolutely inherent. Then we need to talk about the girls in the North that are out of school. Unfortunately, many of them are going to be married off before we know it. What is being done to support these children? Is there psychological assistance? Because they must have psychological issues. When you're in school and you're kidnapped, when you're in school and you hear somebody else is being kidnapped, it cannot be settling for these children or for their families. So what are we doing to support them psychologically and socially so that they can function and they can be part of society? It's wonderful that they're doing all the so-called rehabilitation for the bandits and the Boko Haram. But what are you doing for the victims? What are you doing specifically for these girls or the boys who are now being involved in this? Um, the other thing is the quality of education, as I sort of indicated earlier. If they cannot go into formal classrooms, which we know is important in terms of developing the child, developing the person, then let's start looking at formal, informal and virtual schooling. I can hear the laughter already, virtual schooling in Nigeria. Look at what just happened to us. We lost power, we were out and we have access to these things. So what is there out there that can be used to support learning virtually in these areas? Um, we have to encourage our children to be curious about life, to be curious about learning, to think about learning beyond a textbook. Let's wrap this up, Mr. Timino, very quickly. Um, what would be your final remarks, especially for uh, parents who now have to contend with getting school fees for their awards? On the other hand, they also have to pray and trust that their children who have gone to school you know, post-pandemic will return home safely without being abducted or being kidnapped. Uh, yes, I wanted to actually um, say something with regards to, you know, just to wrap up on the, um, the Boko Haram situation and also the education of women, um, which is that, you know, um, what do we call a war? You know, there's several, you know, um, definitions of what warfare is. But if we actually internalize and actually look at it, uh, we have several features of what is a war happening in Nigeria, albeit a civil situation, not a military one. Um, it, basically, in short, it's a conflict between societies, 
or and as we said here, mindsets. So we have a war on Boko Haram. We have war on the, the education of women, the mindset, war on sexism, misogyny. Um, and what do we do? You know, when there's there are many others. So a war on poverty, war on NEPA, for example. You know, what do we do? We get together and we try to find solutions. Um, we get together, we try to find solutions, and we accept outside help. During a war, two nations, several nations, different allies, they fight against each other. And the only way that they can succeed or get to a ceasefire is by one party saying, look, I've had enough of this, you know, and um, we, we give up. Or by people coming in to mediate, to talk, and not necessarily because of body counts and things like that. We have to accept outside help. We have to accept that what we're doing right now, the way we, we're thinking about the education of women, the education of children, security issues, they're not working. Something needs to change. And I believe, as I said, I don't work for Amnesty International, but I'm pretty impressed by their work. Um, I'm impressed with the work of Allied Empowerment, Live Abundantly, and even the work I'm doing. So I believe everybody needs to stand up and everybody needs to uh, try harder in terms of enlightening people that the situation is not a laughable one. And back to Nifemi's uh, question about what do parents do? I think parents um, are already um, exhausted from trying to, yes, look for you know school fees, trying to make sure they're parenting their children in the right ways. Um, I believe they should just do their best in everything they're doing. It, it's simple, keep going, you know, and keep doing your best. And remember that the education of a child is not limited to the four walls of a classroom. It also happens at home. How do you educate your children about how to treat others, how to treat, you know, if you have male children, for example, how you treat women, all these things happen from a very, very young age. And that's why we're very proud of our girls, our surveying girls who have, um, realized what their purpose is, what their calling is to, to follow their dreams to become female surveyors, um, walking the paths of Mrs. Adekoya. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Shotimenu. Thank you, Dr. Ama, for your contribution. Stick around, ladies. We'll take a break now. When we return, we'll find out who the winners are, talking about the future leading surveyors. Um, each one will be winning a 100,000 Naira scholarship prize, courtesy of the Adekoya's family. And this is brought to you by Allied Empowerment Parties and Leave Abundantly um, to further the cause of women in male-dominated industries. I also understand that the Leave Abundantly board has a surprise announcement to make as well as the Adekoya family. You don't want to miss it. You have been listening to Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society. Welcome back. We're revealing the winners of the scholarship prize on our Women Changemaker series. And it's a very important for us, empowering ladies, empowering women, and ensuring that they get the education they need for the advancement of their dreams. I'm joined on this episode um, by Dr. Ama, Ms. Shotimino. Peter Boyo is the Secretary to the Board of Labor. Bodily is joining us. Mr. Niyi, Mr. Niyi Adikoya is the son of Mrs. Olayinka Omolabake Adisoya, who happens to be the very first female Sobio general in Nigeria. Unfortunately, over two decades after, she's still the only female surveyor general in Nigeria. Let me begin with Mr. Adekoya. 
Um, thank you so very much for sponsoring this initiative. Talk to us about what inspired um, the family's um, decision to tow this path. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you very, very much to Allied Empowerment and to my sister, Dr. Amma. Um, it's very difficult to say you won't listen to what Dr. Amma says. Um, she is almost a splitting image of my mother. Very, very driven. And they know exactly what they want and they're not going to stop till they get what they want. So she had come to me to discuss what um, the group was doing and their plans and they're looking to start with the survey profession and to honor my mother. And we as a family have been looking to offer scholarships uh, to the University of Lagos, uh, to her alma mater, Queen's School, and probably to the University of New Brunswick. So we just tied in with what the family was planning on doing to honor my parents. And I can't think of anything better than to do something with the female surveyors. Yes, you are very, very right is that ever since she passed, there hasn't been another female surveyor general. In fact, I can't remember, probably about 10, 12 years ago was the last um, director in the survey in the survey office that was female. So there's, there's a lot to be done in terms of getting young girls interested in the survey profession. Uh, it's not necessarily a profession that has glamour or the prestige that would attract um, girls to to toe that line so i can understand why there haven't been that many of them that have come out in the profession and have excelled and hopefully this would be the start um, of that uh, in that regard indeed the last time i checked the office of the surveyor general of nigeria website I'm surprised that I couldn't find information on Mrs. Adikoya. Is that a concern for the family? And what are you doing about it? We've spoken to the Office of the Surgeon General and um, I've been told that they will rectify it. Is it a concern to the family? Absolutely not, because what she's done in the survey profession goes way beyond Nigeria. Um, she's not only the first female surveyor general in Nigeria, she's first licensed female surveyor in the Commonwealth. And she's been the only female and probably the first African to ever be appointed as president of one of the survey commissions in the world. So we are concerned about the omission. It may seem mischievous. We will look to rectify it, but it doesn't take away from her achievements at all. It's not going to be uh, keystrokes of a computer that's going to take that away. Absolutely. Let me turn to Dr. Amma. Talk us through the process of um, coming up with six finalists. Help us understand precisely what your organization seeks to achieve with the Women Change Maker series. Well, if I may, thank you very much. And I also want to start by expressing my deepest gratitude to the Adekoya family um, for coming on this journey with us. Uh, I selected the surveying field uh, for personal reasons, and I do not want to 
delve too much in personal life, but to be honest with you, Mrs. Adekoya was um, a mother to me, my godmother. I am who I am today because I stand on her shoulders and she greatly influenced my life and my profession. And um, she always believed that uh, women deserve equity and equality and can thrive in any position that they elect to pursue. And I selected to be a social scientist and uh, she always believed that that was necessary even within this country that we exist in. Um, my father was also a surveyor, to be honest. So selecting the surveying field came naturally for me um, because they're both late. In terms of the surveying field, it was recognizing that in many instances, people see the field as a male dominated field, but it really is a field for everyone. And it's also a field which, like Mr. Dekoya said, does not hold much glamour, but a very essential field in terms of how we exist in a community and globally. There is so much that the surveying um, field gives to the world and makes possible in terms of development that we do not uh, fully understand on a daily basis. So I did think it was a place to delve in with the sciences. When you think about education, when you think about climate change, this goes back to much of the work that surveyors um, do. Now, what we did was very simple, was just to ask generally on Instagram, tailored very much to female students in state and federal universities, why did they select the field? and what is their goal. And as we have seen from the entries, that these young ladies do have a vision, do know that they have a mentor in the late Mrs. Adekoya, that they can look to and be inspired, not just to walk in the field of um, surveying, but to also increase the, uh, the entrance of other young ladies, other students, within the field of surveying and in the science field. I mean, we talk about STEM a lot, but really that's a science field and not many girls go into the sciences. They're sort of talked into education and all of the others, but it is important when you have diversity in, in an office, when you have diversity in careers, you really then begin to see innovation at a greater level. So we're very pleased to have the six finalists today and we thank them for their commitment to um, being educated and contributing to society. Thank you. Indeed, Ms. Shotimino, your organization, Fatality Issues, is also a partner uh, on this program. Um, but tell us what you have in mind, especially moving on from here, how you see this grow into bigger things and inspire more young women. Thank you, Nefemi. Um, the Women Changemakers series is basically, um, as Dr. Amma said, focusing on encouraging women um, who choose um, to whichever profession they, they want to pursue, um, you know, regardless of whether it's seen as a male dominated one or not. Um, 
we also stand for fairness, um, equality and safety for women in the decisions that they've made. We celebrate the women who have made, you know, notable changes in our society and in the world um, through different uh, um, platforms. And going forward, we intend to keep celebrating, uh, choosing other professions that are male dominated and even focusing on the you know, uh, female dominated ones as well and explaining that it is not gender based. Um, anyone can choose uh, the profession of their choice. We, we intend to keep going forward to encourage women, um, uh, to celebrate women as well. Thank you. All right, so um, very shortly, we're going to read out the winners. There are six finalists. I'm going to ask Mr. Peter Boyer to do us the honor of reading out the winners. But let me just introduce uh, the finalists to you very quickly. Basil Lovgade um, is a finalist from the River State University. Um, Mel Melvina Lisa in Namdi Aziku University. Uh, Bridget Peter James, University of Oyo. Erio Golua Kuye, Obafemi Awolowo University. Ayomide Olauku Margaret. Federal University of Technology, Mina. Adiola Antonia Oyetunde, Obafemi Awolowo University. Unfortunately, there are going to be four awardees who I believe will be winning a 100,000 Naira scholarship prize. I will go to also say that um, this is not a one-off thing. We're going to return subsequently with bigger dimensions and bigger versions of this um, initiative. I just noticed that another Mr. Adekoya has joined us. So if we could, uh, if I may, please acknowledge the presence of Mr. Demola Adekoya. Thank you for joining um, the conversation on this podcast. I'm just going to give you one minute to take your remarks on the Women Change series and what the family um, seeks to achieve with this initiative. Well, in terms of the Women Change, we're sticking with what's been from a family with a very strong female figure behind us. Uh, women Change is very welcome. We, we expect women to do more. Women are the bedrock of the society. Uh, if you look at many statistics, the core developments of any country is based around the development and empowerment of women. It is our view as a family that this is something that must be continuously encouraged and women must be brought forth more into the society. That's why the family has decided to support, to support this program. Thank you very much. We're grateful for um, the thoughtfulness and we really appreciate your contribution. Let me ask Dr. Am to please do us the honor of announcing the winners uh, for this um, version of the Women Change series. Well, thank you very much for that honor. And to be honest with you, I hope you're going to have fun with my pronunciations. <laughs> now so, I know why you were running away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but it should be great fun. <laughs> so in no particular order, um, the first recipient of the Adekoya Scholarship is Adeola Antonia Oyetunde. The second one is Brigitte Peter James. The third is Melvina Olisa. 
and the fourth is Basil Lovegood. Congratulations to the winners. Um, Dr. Hammer, tell us precisely what they're winning and how they're getting their prizes. It is a 100,000 Naira scholarship, courtesy of the Adekoya family. The funds will be transferred directly to their institutions towards the fees for this year or next year. And um, I know that the Adekoya family has a further announcement regarding um, this award series. So I'm going to turn it over to them to make that announcement. If they wish to make it today or at another time. Well, I might as well go ahead and say it now. Um, what we have decided to do is this will be annual from this year. And what we would also like to do is rather than it being a flat 100,000 Naira for the year, we would want it to be per semester for the award awardee. Wow, hundred thousand year per semester. What well, is that? Is <laughs> Thank you so much. On behalf of the young ladies, I I thank you, I thank you, and um, I can't believe I'm being emotional today. Um, thank you very much. So much. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for believing in the girls and carrying on the memory of our mother. I, I truly appreciate it. And I will continue to do my part to empower young women, young girls, and and to make a difference in their lives because they, they deserve it. They deserve to have a sit at the table. And the only way we can achieve this is to give the opportunity for them to be educated and for them to participate in society and bring others along. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Um, A huge, yes, please, please go ahead. Um, thank you very much, Adekoyo family, for this wonderful um, gift, I would call it. And in order um, to add to that, we at Live Abundantly, because we also believe in the empowerment and in um, equity and equality, we're also awarding the two runners-ups with a 50,000 Naira each scholarship, so they don't feel wow. left out. So, wow. um, thank you to Live Abundantly and Allied Empowerment and Adekoyo family. And to the girls, you're all winners. Thank you very much and good luck with your studies. Wow, that's huge. So congratulations to Eriogo Lua Kuye and Ayomide Olaogo Margaret. Live abundantly saying you are not left out and you also get 50,000 Naira each as scholarship prize. A big thank you to the Adekoya family who's made this an annual, an annual development, an annual event and 100,000 Naira per semester. I, I want to say... Um, a big, big, big thank you to everyone who's been a part of the podcast today. But I also want to take comments from um, if we have any of the students online who would like to give a vote of thanks. Sorry, Nathan, yes. there's one small announcement from Pattis, which was um, discussed with Live Abundantly um, last week. 
and um, the contribution of PATIS in, together with Live Abundantly and Allowed Empowerment is that uh, PATIS has come up with um, the offer of also mentorship of the girls um, that throughout their educational career and even after that, um, I will be available together with Dr. Ama, you know, obviously through email, you know, counseling, talking to, um, to encourage them on this uh, momentous uh, journey that they're taking into the future that we are here uh, to encourage them and mentor them as well. Um, Dr. Ahmad, would you like to comment on that part of the... Well, we know the value of mentorship and uh, we want to make sure that the girls have the tools and the skills they need as they navigate the terrain of careership uh, and, and to succeed. I believe that amongst these young ladies, rest lies is the next Surveyor, female surveyor general of Nigeria. I truly believe it. And I wish more of them were on today, but we're with them and we stand by them and look forward to the day that um, they, they make that milestone in their lives. Thank you. Yes, we do. Wow. Know, sorry, Nifemi, and as we know that education is one thing, um, but education together with mentorship makes for a wholesome um, a being as well. So. Um, with everything together, we wish them all the best. Thank you. So it's a full package. Scholarship prize with mentorship. That is just amazing. A big thank you to parties. A big thank you to Allah Empowerment. Live abundantly. A big thank you to the Adekoya family. Uh, I am so proud and I thank you for what you're doing. Um, let's take um, comments from some of the winners who have joined um, this podcast this week. Adiola Oyetunde, can we hear quickly from you? Oh, I don't know why I'm so emotional right now. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to voice out. Thank you so much. To the Adekoya family, we are grateful. Live abundantly. You're saying a very big thank you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you and thank you. I want to um, appreciate everyone who worked to make this come true. To the family of Mrs. Adekoya, I say a big thank you. I'm so grateful. I really do not take this for granted. I'm so, so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Ama. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for this great opportunity. Thank you, the provider of this scholarship. It's really a great opportunity to be on this great platform. I am so grateful right away. I'm so happy to Almighty God for making this day a memorable one. Courtesy of the family of Mrs. Olainka Omolabake Adekoya. I pray the good Lord to continue to bless this family for this great opportunity they have given unto us. Thank you very much. And I promise that this scholarship will go a long way to help us and we will make good use of this opportunity. Thank you very much and God bless you. I want to say thank you to Live Abundantly and a very big thank you to the Adekoya's family. Although I couldn't make it to the top first four, but I was still put into consideration. I must say I don't take this for granted. I'm very, very grateful and I'm very, 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 very grateful. Thank you so much. Uh, putting this into words is kind of hard for me. 
but nevertheless i am glad and i want to say a very special thank you to the entire family of adekoya if abundantly thank you so so much for giving me and my colleagues the avenue to express our mind for us to be seen and to be heard we are so grateful and for this we know to whom much is given much is demanded we are not going to let you down wow um lost for words as well a big thank you to everyone who's been a part of this episode of the podcast very emotional thank you for putting smiles on the faces of the young girls we really appreciate you thank you dr amon thank you mr chutmino and that wraps it on this week's episode thank you very much and we'll be back next week with another exciting one i am nifem yukunsoy see you again Thank you for listening to Thinking Reimagined. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast and welcome your comments, insights and learnings as we strive to transform our global society. A change in mindset, engagement, collaboration, dialogue, awareness and education. Thinking Reimagined. Changing the mindset for a better global society.